Straight from WCHL Studios in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, it's the Sibling Rivalry Sports Show with Chris and C.L. Brown. This week, we welcome the Athletic.com senior reporter for the Charlotte Hornets, Rod Boone. Also, a great instant replay idea from C.L. and the return of the brownout. Now listen, folks, the NBA draft is right after the show. This is a perfect way for you to lead into your draft observation by listening to this show. In fact, these guys are your number one sports radio draft picks. Picking first for all awesome listeners out of the UNC School of Journalism and Coolness, it's Chris and C.L. Brown. Of course, it would be a little odd to have two number one picks. I'll let them battle out who the true number one is right now on Sibling Rivalry Sports. Hi, folks. Let me take you back in time to the pitch meeting for Sibling Rivalry Sports, a meeting between myself and the assistant for the general manager for WCHL, myself and the assistant manager. Here it is. Here's the the tape. Let's let's play the tape. Let's roll the tape. Okay, now I would love to have a show. Just me. Just me. Just a show about me. Just a show about me. Uh so who's the show about? Me. The show's just about me. Okay, no. We're, we're, we don't want to have a show just about you. All right, wait, wait, wait. Hold on, hold on. How about mo- multiple personalities of mine talking movies? How about that? I'd like to talk to myself. Multiple person. Uh, no. We we do not want to have multiple personalities on air. That's that's scary. No. Okay. Wait, wait. Hold on. You, you're not getting the, the feel of the, the vibe here. Okay. How about this? Me singing a cappella off of Twitter requests. That you know, I just sing. Uh, no, no. Wait, what, what? Can you sing? Yeah. Why? Watch this. She's your queen. Oh uh, no, no. Okay. Please, no. Please. All right. No, no, no. Okay. Hold on. I got one more. Wait, wait. This Chris. Let me, look. Let me just. Let me interrupt you here. Um. Don't you have a brother? Well, yeah, I got a couple brothers. Uh, well, I'm talking about CL. CL is he your brother? Yeah, yeah, that's my brother. Um, is he? Isn't he the Athletic.com college basketball national senior writer? Well, yes, he happens to be that. Yes. And isn't he like? Doesn't he have like model good looks? Well, of course, you know, as you can see, as you can tell, that runs in the family. Uh, if you say so. Okay. Um. Um. How about you and him? How about you and him? You bring him in. You you too do a show. Okay. All right. How about this? You got a deal if you let me argue with him the whole time. Deal. You have a deal. This has been a trip back into history for the pitch meeting for Sibling Rivalry Sports. CL! Definitely got glad this is on tape. <laughs> Model good looks. <laughs> I'll take that. Genetic. <laughs> passed on. What's good, man? I can't call it. The big night for the NBA. Big, big night right after the show, basically kicking off their draft. The, the NBA to me is like almost like a reality show at this time, especially of the year. Uh, so it's a lot going on. I mean, we got possibly the breakup of the Houston Rockets with, with Chris Paul and James Harden. Mm-hmm. Uh, reportedly having a relationship that's beyond repair, you, you know, on draft uh, when the, when the actual draft rolls around, 
I think there's going to be a lot of action in terms of trades and and players getting moved. Um, so it's it's a lot of fun. But let's get to the big playback where we're going to dial in on one person in particular from the NBA draft. This is the big payback. Mr. Zion Williamson lit up college basketball last year. You couldn't turn on the TV without seeing his highlights on ESPN. How will he translate to the NBA? What say you? CL, he lit up college basketball, and he also blew up college basketball. And, and blew out shoes. his Nike. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so how will he train? Uh, that, that's a tough one for me. I think I'm still kind of in that, as my st- as my father-in-law would say, fair to middling uh, territory of not not saying he's going to perform that way, but just saying I'm not fully sold that he's going to be, you know, the next superstar guy. I'm just not there. But I also am not ready to say he's pedestrian. You know, just average dude because he 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 does have a skill set that is extraordinary, and he is very he's fun to watch. Yeah, you know, let's just admit the guy is a lot of fun to watch. So I, I'm interested. I'm interested. You know, and I, I'll check out how he does. I like, uh, and I don't feel like I do this a lot, but I, I like knowing when I'm right about somebody, uh, a talent. And I said it early on, back in August. Um, I may have even said it before then, but I said that Zion Williamson was going to make people maybe not like Duke, but not hate him because they had to watch him play. Yeah, you did say that. That's exactly what what played out with with you know just the things he can do athletically. So uh, my my opinion on it from the scale of Anthony Bennett, former number one pick from ULNLV, to Anthony Davis. Also, <laughs> number one nice. pick and and all star and and budding superstar in the league, I think Zion Williamson will fall somewhere around Vince Carter. I think he could hmm. be somebody who is uh, who definitely excites you athletically. You definitely want to watch and, and tune in and see if he did something special that game. Yeah. Um, but you know. I, I don't know if I put Vince in that that I mean obviously he was a superstar but I don't know if I put him in that realm of even at his peak where he was a top five player in the league that that kind of carried you know the weight of the league mm-hmm. so uh, I I think Zion can be that my one question and my one hope for Zion is that his weight doesn't become a problem in the league I still feel I felt like this. You know, before he started playing um, for Duke, I felt like his knees, man. I mean, he's carrying around 275, around you know, 280 on those knees, 82 games in an NBA season, not including if you make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of wear and tear. And I just feel like if, if he slims down a little bit, um, obviously he you don't want him to lose his strength because that's part of his game too, but... Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel like he, he maybe needs to drop a few pounds, 15 to 20 pounds to, to get, you know, give his knees a chance, man. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I just wonder about that. I wonder what if. Well, what about conditioning though? What if, what if conditioning is a big part of what he's doing? He pays attention because see, you told me before that you know there've been players that they kind of slacked off in conditioning when they got to that this level, right? They they did not pay True. as much attention. So what if he pays attention to conditioning 
do you think that can do it as opposed to necessarily losing weight? Well, I feel like I feel like he does pay attention to that. Like he's I was expecting when I heard his measurements, I was expecting to see a little bit of baby fat or something like him be kind of pudgy <laughs> Pillsbury doughboy, you know. Um but he's not. It's like he's he's rock solid. He's a, and I used this analogy in the first story I wrote about. He's like if the incredible Hulk could control his temper on a basketball court. <laughs> I mean, he's rock solid, but nice. I, I, and and I feel like he was, you know, he never got tired in Duke games, <laughs> you know. Um, so I feel like conditioning isn't that won't be a concern. But I just, I, I just believe that he's gonna have to drop a few pounds to, to, you know, um, to have that longevity in the league. And and I hope that he never suffers any kind of of major injuries to him. Sure. Yeah. Hey, hey, CL. So, okay, so you said Vince Carter, but he never really made that upper upper echelon. What, what held him from doing that? That Zion could look at it and say, "Okay, I I can learn from that." What held Vince Carter back? Man, I don't, I don't, I don't think I have an answer for that. I I don't think I have an answer for that. I mean, like, why is was it the time that he was in the league, or why wasn't he in your top five like that at his peak? Some of that might have been the timing of his league. Some of that may have been. I mean, who knows? If Tracy McGrady stays with Toronto and and they're a one-two punch, yeah. you know, maybe that's what ultimately he needed, just the personnel around him to get him over the hump to where we would have been like Vince would have been in a Eastern Conference Finals or NBA Finals where, you know, we're seeing where Toronto is this year after winning the championship and the tremendous support. I think I saw something where essentially like half the TVs in Canada were tuned in, wow. uh, you know, to, to their um, uh, Game 6 win over um, uh, over that Golden State. Team. That other team. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what them boys' names? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, and Vince Carter... He started all of that. True. He started. I mean, you can Very look at R.J. Barrett for house. Duke right now. Yes, a lot of those kids in Canada saw Vince Carter, saw Toronto back then, and nice. they were like, "That I can, you know, I want to do that." Sure, sure. <laughs> you know, sure. and and R.J. Barrett has, has talked about that before as well. But um, and I think Zion Williamson going to New Orleans, Louisiana, obviously a football state. That's not going to change, but I think Zion Williamson, seeing Zion up close and personal, is going to plant the seed in a lot of kids down there as well. Well, you know, down in the bayou, they can get behind a team in a sport, so maybe he'll ignite something special down there. You never know. Now, I did want to uh, circle back to something by way of fact check, because when you know when you were right about uh, back in August about Zion and, and drawing people, the one thing I differ is you said people wouldn't hate Duke, and that doesn't apply to me. But anyway, um, that's it. <laughs> I know that doesn't apply to you. <laughs> you know what, CL, to be honest, I don't like, I don't, I don't like, I hate, I don't hate, hate, I just... You know, I do. I did enjoy this season, you know, being able to see Zion, and I'm looking forward to it, especially because of your reports of just character-wise, the guy, he seems like just such a likable dude. He's a good old country boy, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, yeah. I don't think he's caught up. Now, I, there was a big deal made about his reaction when they drew the cards for the NBA oh, yeah, lottery. yeah, that's right, yeah. And 
I thought people blew it way out of proportion. He may have been a little bit disappointed not to see New York as number one, because New York is New York. New York's New let's York. be, you know, let's be clear New about that. York. But it's not like the Pelicans play in the, you know, some kind of <laughs> GBL or something, global basketball. <laughs> like, it's still the NBA. He's still going to fulfill his dream playing. And, you know, and I, I believe the people down there are going to going to take to him. I do think he lost out on some money, though, marketing-wise, uh, by, you know, falling to a smaller market. And I even had uh, I interviewed Sonny Vaccaro, the, the longtime shoe marketing guru and uh he also said that he felt like Zion should have had his shoe deal in place before that before they knew where he was gonna end up in the lottery because they could have leveraged more you know at that point before the lottery you're thinking new york has a great chance of being this number one pick yeah i'm gonna be in new york you know i'm gonna have all these opportunities now that he's in new orleans you know, maybe that's going to cost him a few, but he's going to be making millions anyway. I don't think that's going to make that yeah. much of a difference. What, for a country boy, CEO, what's he going to do with those extra <laughs> millions? After the first one, like $10 million, what's he even going to do with that? No. Well, I got some ideas, Zion, if you're listening, so please, you know, hit me up. All right. And on that note, we're going <laughs> to keep it moving here on Sibling Rivalry Sports Show. We got an excellent guest lined up. My man, Rod Boone, who covers the Charlotte Hornets for the Athletics. Stay tuned. Keep it locked. Come back after this commercial break. 97.9 The Hill. Welcome back to the Sibling Rivalry Sports Show on 97.9 The Hill. Joining us tonight is my colleague at The Athletic, does a tremendous job covering the Charlotte Hornets, Rod Boone. Welcome Boone. to the show, man. Strong Island made. Thanks for having me, guys. Hey, I, I got a question. This has nothing to do with nothing, basically, but because I'm so tempted just to call you Boone and my brothers who, when Chris just said that, it made me think, do more people call you by your first name or your last that's a hilarious question, bro. You know what? Um, <laughs> it's really funny you say that because um, I hate it being called my last name, man. We all talk. Uh-huh. People call me just Boone, but it was more because my dad, they would call my dad Boone. Oh. You know, in church, you know, going around, hey, Boone, hey, Boone, hey, Boone. So I, I hated that, man. I really did. My friends were like, man, if you ever play pro sports, you're in trouble because they're just going to boo you all the time. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I didn't like that. Man. That boom boy going to be something. You're going to be a preacher. That boom boy going to be a preacher one day. Exactly. <laughs> oh, man. That's crazy. Well, uh, obviously, the NBA draft is is on the, the tip of uh, our tongues right now. Um, but before we get to the draft talk, Kemba Walker, his situation with Charlotte is, is I know, a, a big looming uh, deal. Will he or won't he get the Supermax? What, what, you know, what direction he, will he go? Um, will, will he just opt out altogether and, and end up leaving Charlotte? Um, where, where, where does he stand right now? What's your feel for uh, what direction Kemba's going in? Well, you know, we talked to him um, last week at his little um, pro basketball, uh, you know, pro camps. Uh, basketball little camp he had in mm-hmm. Charlotte, and, and asking him, talking to him, 
nothing has changed, man. He still wants to be here in Charlotte. He still thinks this is the place that he wants to finish his career if possible. Um, nothing has changed in that regard. So if you ask him, he still wants to be here. You know, you, you see rumors about the Lakers being a possibility, you know, the Dallas Mavericks being a possibility, you know. There's teams out there that he definitely said he actually will take some visits. He's going to go out there and visit with teams and, mm. I guess, hear the recruiting pitches. But I believe at the end of the day, him saying he wants to come back here um, is something that he wouldn't just say if he didn't really mean the A. And B, the Hornets can offer him two things that other teams can't offer him. A guaranteed fifth year of his contract and also more money than anybody else can pay him. So yeah. you factor in all those things – I believe when it's all said and done, that Kemba Walker will be back here in Charlotte next season. Yeah, and and he's been essentially underpaid uh, up to this point, hasn't he? Exactly. Given his he talent, twelve million dollars this year. Yeah. Um, which I think was like the fourth or fifth, sixth highest paid person on the entire team. That's crazy. Got the two making more money than him, Marvin Williams, even his good buddy MKG making more money. Um, you know, Cody Zeller. So. You know, for him to come out the last few years and do what he did, making that kind of salary, he was definitely a bargain. So now time to pay the piper, man. You got to kind of pay the guy for what he's done for you previously and what he will do for you in the future, I believe. Yeah, yeah, I think he's uh, even going back to his time at UConn. I've I've always been a huge Kimber Walker fan, and and it, it's funny. It just seems like with Charlotte, man, they're they're in this this NBA limbo purgatory or something because it, it's like they're good enough to be competitive, but not quite good enough to get over the hump, and not quite bad enough to be in a position to get you know the, a top draft pick to where they can get good. So uh, uh, I think it's uh, it'll. Be be interesting, you know, and important for for him to come back. Um, switching gears to uh, the draft now. Uh, Charlotte right now has the number twelve pick in the draft. Um, what do you see if if everything falls in line and they end up staying in that spot? No trades are made or anything like that. What what do you feel like the, their possibilities? Who are they really uh, looking at with that pick? Well, I think. For them, it's going to be either you know a big man who can you know shoot the ball and play well um, on the interior or exterior, and or somebody who's a, a, a wing player like a three and D type of dude. So I think you look at those two positions. You know the the guys looking at it seems to me first it's probably a big man. So it could be P.J. Washington from Kentucky, um, Jackson Hayes. I don't think from Texas. I don't think he'll be there when they pick at twelve. Yeah. Um, you know, Bruno Fernando, they brought Fernando in um, from Maryland. They brought him in for a workout as well. You know, I think it'll be somebody of that ilk, you know, somebody who, who can be a big man who not only plays inside well, but can stretch the floor as maybe a, a, a perimeter shooter as well as face the basket type player. You know, if they don't go the big man route, it could go like a, a wing player route, like, uh, you know, the Hachimura from Gonzaga. Is in this possibility in terms of some of these mock drafts I've seen, mm-hmm. um, but you also have Brandon Clark, uh, as well as from Gonzaga. You have somebody you know very well, Nasir Little. Um, you have him from UNC. So yeah. I think it'll be one of those like six or seven guys if they stay at that position. But definitely will be either a big man or a wing player because those are the two biggest needs they have at the current time. Chris, did you want to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
So, Rod, uh, and folks, you can find Rod Boone on Twitter, at Rod Boone, or you can do like me, just type in Rod, and, and he, he'll be one of the top ones to come up. <laughs> but uh, also on Insight, at Rod Boo, B-O-O. Uh, you, you. I see your your tweet of your recent story. Uh, your talk about uh, uh, with your talk with general manager Mitch Kupchak about uh, you know these these pre draft workouts that have been happening and such. And I was just wondering with regards to that article, what was like the one? What was the most significant thing that he told you they they looked to gain from these these sessions? Well, it was interesting to hear him talk about it because you would think these workouts that they put these guys through these drills and, you know, they talk to them about what's happening in their lives and everything else. But at the end of the day, you know, yeah, they get information from these kids uh, to kind of help see where they want to be into the draft position. But really it's, it's not to fall in love with these guys. You know, Mitch Kupchak said, you got to kind of trust your eye, what you see in the kind of game action. If you watch a player in college or year for a year or two or three, what he does in the workout drills shouldn't really affect what you see or what you think about him because game situation is totally different, you know, than doing drills. Drills, it's one-on-none or one-on-one. You know what's going to happen, so you kind of can react ahead of time. In game situations, it's all just, you know, reactionary because you're not sure what's going to happen out there on the floor. So I believe that was really interesting to hear him say that. Basically, to make sure – Bring these kids in here. Do not let them influence you in terms of thinking they're either better than what they are or worse than what they are. So that's the first thing. Second thing also was these workouts, uh, they had the coaching staff there nine times out of ten. You know, James Borrego was there, Jay Triano, Jay Hernandez. These guys on the staff are also there watching, but at the end of the day, they don't really give their input too much. If Mitch Kupchak asks for it, you know, they'll give it to him, but his thing is the same. These guys don't know the players very well. You In the NBA, you're focused on each game. Uh, you're focused on what's happening at that particular moment, not college basketball. So to slip the opinions from those guys and say, what do you think? It's something that he doesn't do very often because he doesn't want those guys to be put in the wrong position. So I believe that, to me, is interesting to hear you say that because you figure the coaches want to have a say-so and who comes on board, but not really. Mitch Kupchak is pretty much the guy who comes in that situation. Interesting. So with uh, that kind of got me thinking too, Rod, with the kind of the cloak and dagger, the games that go into general managers, agents during the, the lead up to the draft. And this isn't even exclusive to the NBA. I feel like the the NFL is, is horrible about this too. What's kind of the wildest story um, that somebody has tried to float to you leading up to the draft to kind of disguise their position or put out a narrative about, you know, their potential pick that they wanted other teams to believe? Well, it's funny, you know, covering it, the Nets and, and those guys, you know, their draft picks were almost already gone before the draft came <laughs> because if you remember the Kevin Garnett deal, uh, Paul oh, yeah. deal, they actually happened right around draft time. So, you know, to hear those guys say it and try to act like it wasn't going to happen was kind of funny because it was being reported out there by some of the best people who report breaking news in the NBA, you know, Wolves and Adrian Wojnarowski. You think to yourself, come on, man, this, this, don't play the game with me because you know it's actually true. So to come out there and have, you know, a GM or, or a coach or whatever make it seem like they weren't getting rid of guys you know, or they weren't going to bring this big player in. It's kind of ridiculous, man. So this time of year, 
you're right. It's funny because the agents, um, executives, we all play this smoke screen game. I mean, Mr. Kupchak told us a couple of days ago that he actually wants to trade up in this draft. He wants to actually see if he can move up in the draft. I asked him specifically just about just generalization about teams moving up in the draft this year, and he said, yeah, we want to trade up. So usually, <laughs> you know, you don't hear a GM say that publicly because it compromises his position. So to hear these guys say, I want to move up, I want to move down, I want to move this pick for that pick, because sometimes just, 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 as you're right, just a the game they play to see who can kind of bite first out there. But, you know, this time of year, I mean, it's all about rumors, you know, innuendos, possible trade scenarios, things of that nature. And it can get really just crazy to let it happen to you, man, for real. I, th- I think we eat it up as a public because, I mean, that's why the National Enquirer is still in business, man. <laughs> we like to hear those conspiracies. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, Rod, how... Regulation rules, man. We love that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Hey, how in the world, Rod, does Darius Garland, who only he only played five games at Vanderbilt before, you know, his season-ending knee injury, how does he vault up to being considered a top-five pick? I mean, he he would have been that high if he was able to go pro out of high school. I think that shows you just how this draft is, man. And, you know, every year, people say the draft isn't very deep. We're not sure what's going to happen. But I think this year is definitely one of those years that it seems to be true because. Outside of the top three or four picks, these guys are all kind of a crapshoot. I mean, it's a crapshoot anyway for a typical draft, but it seems like this year there's not a lot of big-name players who you feel are just can't miss prospects. So you're right. For Garland to have himself to be a top-five pick all of a sudden, I saw some a few minutes ago where the Knicks actually worked him out today privately. The Knicks, of course, have been tied to number three pick, R.J. Barrett of Duke, and to now say maybe you may bring Garland in, it's just kind of insane, hmm. but it shows to me just the nature of this draft. I mean, you have guys like Bowl Bowl. He's invited to the green room in the NBA uh, to be a part of the draft situation tomorrow in Brooklyn, whenever his name is called, but when will it be called? Who knows? He's one of those guys that could be a top 10 pick, too, if he wasn't hurt, and people saw more of him this year. So this draft has like a lot of potential players that, to me, we're going to need a good three or four or five years for real before we can go back to this draft and say, you know what, that was a good pick or that was a bad pick because you're right. To have somebody out there who just played a few games be a top five pick considerably is kind of crazy to me, man. It really is. Yeah. You know what's funny too, though, is uh, the flip side. On one side, I mean, Kyrie Irving only played 11 games at Duke uh, that season and and you know he was hurt for the majority of it and obviously he went number one overall and and the the proof is in the pudding with him but I don't know for some reason I don't really see that with with Garland myself but who knows but I I do want to stay with with uh on on Duke players for a second um how do you think and we we discussed this in a different segment on on our show but how do you think Zion Williamson is going to translate to the NBA yes good question you know that's a, a really good question too, man. And I, I think he'll be, I think he'll be great. Now, how great he'll be? Will he be like a superstar, a phenom? It's hard to tell because we got to see him a little bit more in game action. When they double team him, can he pass out of double teams? Can he move the ball the right way? Um, can he hit the jump shot if they're trying to, you know, take away his drive? All those things are going to be something you have to kind of actually see in person first before you before you can actually make legitimate 
you know, uh, evaluation of the guy. But I believe that his skill set, the things that he can do, his jumping ability, the fact that he's lefty, which, of course, always helps out. If you see you're a good player, you're in the off box a little bit, your left hand is, is your dominant hand. I think that he'll be good there. Plus, he's in a situation where he's going to a city. It's not really a basketball city. You know, they'll probably become one in the next few years <laughs> in there. But it's a situation where he has a good coach, Alan Gentry, you know, guy here from the Carolinas that we know very well. You have a good GM now, and David Griffith knows how to put together a championship type of team. I think he'll be great there in New Orleans, man. The thing with him is just going to be, can he do it every night? You know, in college you have, what, 30-something games, you know, 40 if you're lucky. You play tournaments and go deep in the next W tournament. But 82 games is different. That plus the playoffs, if you have to have your body in really good shape to be able to last throughout that and, and not get broken down and, and be available in the player when the team needs you to come out there and be the player you should be. So I think he'll be okay. I just think to give him a little bit of time first because it's not easy to adjust to go from the college game to the pro game right away. But I believe that he's going to be a great player in this league for years to come. It just depends on how good he wants to be. Yeah, well said, well said. Yeah, last one for me. It, okay, I, I just would love to get your take, Rod, on what I what I call the CPCSD syndrome, the Carolina Players Charlotte Success Drought play uh, syndrome. <laughs> uh, what on earth? What are we doing? What's going on down there? That's a great question, man. It's almost like the whole New York syndrome, you know, being that New York guy. Mm-hmm. Everybody's saying, what's up with New York and basketball and New York house basketball and same kind of thing here, I think, that you're right. You know, there's some players here from Charlotte. You know, your, your guy Luke May uh, came in from down here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, you know uh, Torrin Dorn, he's from down here. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right. There hasn't been that stud player coming out here in a minute, which to me is kind of insane because, you know, being here for three years that, that I've lived here in Charlotte, Basketball, high school basketball is really good in this area. You know, I live not too far from Concord. They have good players up there, too. Mm-hmm. But it seems like they don't have that dog. You're right. And I, I don't know, man. I'm not sure. You guys probably know better than me, but I'm just wondering, too, where is this big-name player coming from this city going to a big-time program and becoming a big-time you know, professional player? We should have more players in the NBA at least playing major college basketball, I would think, right? Yeah, I, I I think uh, Leaky Moore. I mean Leaky Black and Wendell Moore. They both uh, played at Concord Cox Mills High School. Will have something to say about that ultimately. Especially Black Leaky Black to me is one of he's one of my favorite players when I talk about projecting for future stardom. I think he can do it all, and I I think he's going to get a chance to to show that this year for Carolina. Who knows if that means he's going to be you know a star in the league or something, but. Uh, I'm just uh, <laughs> I trumpet his name whenever somebody because uh, I want to be on the ground level. You know what I'm saying? I want to be able to say, "Hey man, you told me about him." <laughs> well, I will say this, man. Like this area, as you know, is growing. It's, it's, it's a mid-sized city right now, but you have people moving here from all over. You got people moving from New York, Ohio, you know, Florida, all over the, the country, essentially, man. So I think eventually. This will be a big-time melting pot in terms of basketball player haven. 
But you're right. I think we should have probably a little bit more coming out of here than we have had so far. No doubt. Well, that's our time tonight, Rod. We appreciate you coming on with us, man. We'll definitely have to have you back uh, again sometimes and uh, enjoy your draft. <laughs> All right, come on back to the Sibling Rivalry Sports Show on 97.9 The Hill after this break. Welcome back to Sibling Rivalry Sports on 97.9 The Hill where we always chill. Are they chilling enough, or are they doing the opposite of chilling with uh, instant replay these days, CL? The World Cup, Women's World Cup. Yes. Video-assisted referee Mm -hmm. makes a call in a match. Actually, it's happened twice in favor of France, but the one I saw was France versus Nigeria. Goalkeeper for Nigeria on a penalty kick, lifted up her foot too soon from uh, the the goal line, and France was awarded a second kick after they missed the first one. They score, end up winning one nothing, um, and it, it made me think of of the the play in the Final Four, Virginia and Texas yes. Tech, yeah. when uh, DeAndre Hunter hits the ball. I forgot who was dribbling for Texas Tech, but he hits the ball out. In any black top in America, in any pickup gym, pickup game in a gym anywhere, that ball is off of Virginia. Texas Tech maintains possession, but because of the super slow motion, you can yes. stop it at the last yes. millisecond. Blow it up. It was it was deemed that it was off Texas Tech and Virginia gets the ball. Mm. Are we just? I mean. <laughs> Is this the wave of the future? Are we going to get to a point where it's so technical, or is this just kind of violating the spirit of the rules by by allowing replay to dictate, you know, so much of a game? You know what? I don't see how it's going to stop, CL. I mean, unless, you know, somebody takes this question up that we're talking about and says, wait, 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 we have to to pump the brakes on this thing. I don't see how it's going to stop. What I think, though, I think you have a point when you're talking about the spirit of the rule, the spirit of the game, because... In real time, you know, we are dependent on human refs in real time. If now here's here's the here's the area where everybody's gonna say, Well, what does that mean? And if it is egregious, an egregious area, it seems like that would be the time to really be meticulous. If it were an egregious area. It's almost like watch it one more time. Have a rule where they, they watch whatever play one more time. They watch it one more time. Is that an egregious area or is or uh miss, or is that an area where if we slow it down to super slow mode, we're going to have to really, really, you know, uh, pick our way through that, and then we might be able to f- find a mistake. If it's the latter, throw it out. That is my opinion. Yeah. I, I mean, I am almost would say that they don't need to use slow motion. If you can't – if you're playing a replay of, of a play and you can't make the call in real time, at real speed, I mean, mm-hmm. then it doesn't need to be made. Yeah, You, you don't need to slow it down to see the, the last – was a pruder film <laughs> the last frame to decide if this is what you know if this is what happened i just it's funny though because I, I in deciding we were going to talk about this topic i'm thinking 
well, dang, we can't have it both ways because we hate to see a game where it's a clear missed call and yes. think, hey, instant replay would have made, you know, they would have corrected this call. Right. But on the other hand, it's like you don't want it to be over-officiated. Sure. You don't want to, sure. you know, just cameras and, and uh, some office in New York, New York City, deciding <laughs> <laughs> what, what call is going to be made and possibly deciding the outcome of a game. Wait, see, with that goalie, did so you felt like in real time that was not clear that her foot raised up? Against Nigeria, I felt like it was. It wasn't to me. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, maybe somebody who's more in tune with soccer you know, that's something that they would have anticipated calling or something. Sure. But but the fact that it wasn't made by the officials on the field, right. it was there made you know. by the, the VAR, the video-assisted people uh, or person, um, you know, that, that to me says it must have been close enough. See, maybe you're on to something here with this no slow motion idea. Maybe we need to tweet that out and push that out there. CL Brown of TheAthletic.com <laughs> says no slow mo. That is a great idea. No slow motion, just real time. Can you imagine how much that would speed up? Now, CL, do you think that they should be able to blow the, the, the screen up, though, be able to enlarge the screen? Yeah, I, I, don't, I wouldn't have a problem with that. But th- that, to me, is it's not – that's, you know, a magnifying – that's just giving you a clearer picture. That's not – that's not uh, slow motion is almost altering it's almost the matrix and you're seeing every like (laughs) all the time yeah (laughs) like uh, you know i mean and and i'm also somebody who is doesn't mind human error human element is part of the game too touched on that and 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 don't let me even though i mentioned that earlier don't let me fool anyone into believing that I am all for human error because I, I can't stand, I can't stand human error when it when it comes to refs. Man, I need to be more forgiving with that, CL. You do. You you know what? You need to be an official. No, you, you need to be CL, an official. The reason I won't is because I believe I'm too biased. In a game where you don't you don't have your son or daughter isn't playing <laughs> on a team, you don't have a rooting interest. Like, how, how could you be too biased if you don't have a rooting interest? CL, you'd have to go far and wide for me not to have some kind of rooting interest. What would it be? The colors of the uniforms? The name of the no, team? Like, it no. could be... I, I don't understand how you could not just go into a situation where you don't you're not affiliated with either party and just call what you see. I mean, just throw out two two college teams. Just throw out something. Um, Nebraska uh-huh. and Oregon. I'll, I'd be against Oregon. Just I shouldn't away. have said Oregon because <laughs> you lived in Portland. Right, right. But um, you know, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> you, I'm telling you, you can't do it. I, I think in any, I'm too biased. But see, well, I admit okay. it. See, what about like Tulane okay. and uh, Xavier? Tulane and Xavier. Xavier. Um, I'd be against them because Tulane's in the the South. And also my my boy uh, Doc Eric Griggs down there with the radio show and, you know, the health doc down there. He's all about Tulane. We got to get you some help, man. (laughs) What do you mean? What do you mean? What do you mean? No, no, we don't have to give me help because I'm staying away from it. So I'm good, right? As some some of these refs, accepting that under the table cash or whatever, they need to stay away from it. And on that note, we need to stay away from extending this segment and go to a quick break. We will come back with the brownout to close the show. Keep it locked to 97.9 The Hill Sibling Rivalry Sports Show. 
Welcome back to Sibling Rivalry Sports on 97.9 The Hill. It is time for the brownout. The brownout. Did former UNC forward Deion Thompson go a bit overboard getting a tattoo of Roy Williams on his calf? Wow. Uh, that was that was a pretty significant piece of tattoo art there. Uh, I, I don't know. I just, when I saw that, I was just like, uh, wow, wow. I, I'm all for a tribute, but wow. <laughs> well, it's no different than the tattoo of my face you have on your arm. <laughs> you know. Um, so flex the biceps, buddy. That, <laughs> that head bulges when I flex the biceps. It, it is it, when, when you think about it I think it is kind of a ne- neat tribute albeit <laughs> unexpected but I, I think you know I mean he's cutting down nets so uh, and that was an achievement Deion Thompson was on that 09 championship team so uh, that's one way to remember it <laughs> yeah. next question LaMelo Ball will join RJ Hampton in skipping college and the G League to play next season professionally in Australia is it time for college basketball to start worrying about a trend? Man, I think this is, you know, <laughs> what is, I, I forgot how the saying goes, but uh, if a third person goes, that might officially be the start of a trend. We have RJ Hampton and LaMelo Bell uh, now playing in Australia. When the G League is able to offer more money now to to get somebody who might be in a situation where they don't want to go to college. So it's definitely something to keep an eye on. I still think overseas route, whether Australia or Europe, is still for certain. Every kid can't do that because of the cultural difference and, and the adjustment they would have sure. to make. But it, this is about to get interesting, I think. Well, I think that when he goes down under, he's going to find that the people down there are just really, uh, really hospitable, and he's going to like the Crocs too. He's going to like them Crocs. The Crocs are why he's going down there, CL. <laughs> but no, CL, seriously though, CL, I want to say that you have called this trend, man. I got to give it to you again, second time in the show. I got to give you that you called that this could potentially be a trend here. It's an interesting watch. What were your initial thoughts when you heard North Carolina will play an exhibition men's basketball game against Winston-Salem State next season? Winston-Salem State University. SU. I think I think we, we have to give a little bit more background on this. We yes, essentially true, grew true. up going to Winston-Salem State games. Our mother for better or for graduated worse. from, uh, she's the, what, 1961 homecoming queen? Or was it 1960? Uh, homecoming queen and you know football basketball we were at those games so this this is kind of uh, a special (laughs) Uh, what is it the Chris Brown classic (laughs) (laughs) whatever (laughs) why would that be the Chris Brown (laughs) no but my first thought was I wish this would have happened when Big House Gaines and Dean Smith were on the sideline and and they could have played an exhibition game way back back in the day. It it might have been even more competitive. um, Yeah. Slightly more competitive, but uh, (laughs) but that would have that was my initial thought when uh, when I saw this announced. I guess the initial thought that I saw uh, that I had when I saw this announced was Battle of the Bands. Uh, We're gonna have a (laughs) We might have a slaughter on the court, but there's going to be a beatdown with the Battle of the Bands. But actually, you know what? If I can compare this, when uh, Carolina football played A&T, what they did at halftime, see, I don't know if you recall that or not, yeah. that was extraordinary. I was so proud of the, both of those schools. So, you know, who knows? Maybe we'll see something similar. 
Basketball's done. Football hasn't started back yet. Are we about to enter the worst part of the year for the sports calendar? Man, for me, after really after the NBA Finals, after the NBA Draft, it's it's cold turkey. <laughs> I, I usually will crank up uh, a repeat of watching The Wire on HBO. I'll start from episode one, season one, and go through all all five seasons, and that's how I spend my summer. It's it's kind of the the off season for sports because I, I never was a big baseball fan. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. People who are fans of the Boys of Summer would say, well, hey, you know, that no, baseball's going. But, you know, I know fans like that. And the question is, how's your team doing? And when their team is not doing well, which these people I know, their teams happen to not be doing well this season, I'm sure it's torture for them as well. But I would tweak it a little bit. I would say, especially with Carolina's success and, you know, recently reaching um, the College World Series, I would say after the College World Series, after the College World Series, if I wasn't bitter like this year, and I'm not watching it, but after the College World Series to the beginning of training camp, that that is my that is my uh, doldrums time right there. Because hey, training camp, you know, then then you're about to get into some games, and you can see some interesting stuff. See guys trying to make teams. That's me, CL. That's me. And CL, this is us. This is us. Another show, great show, great guests. We'll be back. When we're not going to be in any doldrums. We're not going to be in a lull this summer, right, CL? Uh, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Thanks. A rousing, <laughs> a rousing bit of support there. It gets slow sometimes, man. Not on this show, CL. You haven't let it go, and, and great job with that. So, folks, come on and join us again next week. Thank you so much for being here this week. We're going to keep it going. My name is Chris Brown. I'm CL Brown. And this is Sibling, Sibling Rivalry, Rivalry Sports, Sports on 97.9 The Hill.